The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. And Business Unusual is brought to you by Workforce Staffing. Workforce Staffing's flexible staffing solutions are here to link the right young people with the right opportunities. Hi, Colin. Good evening. Hi, Ray. So, yeah, you mentioned uh, those three Cs. Those were mm. really just to, to get us talking about climate change. And it has been a perennial uh, discussion point at Davos. And I suppose to pick up on the Edelman uh, report that comes out every year, where business has been seen to be the ones to supposedly fix these things, uh, that possibly comes from the likes of the people who gather at Davos, which is government and business, uh, who, who look to try and come up with these plans. Uh, those Cs that I mentioned, conflict this year, certainly uh, given uh, the recent developments in the Ukraine, Cryptocurrencies, mostly for regulation and a huge drop off in, in their values, thanks to all sorts of other economic things. But climate yeah. change is the one that's been with us for a while and doesn't look likely to go away anytime soon. But the specific focus for this evening is on a part of an attempt to address climate change called geoengineering. Uh, and usually when you put fancy Latin sounding terms together, people think, Oh, well, that sounds uh, like a good thing to do. And, you know, how do we, how do we apply this? Well, in some respects, uh, there is one geoengineering project which you've already undertaken. It's called using fossil fuels. Uh, when we first found the, the value of it and sparked the second industrial revolution, uh, back then already, over a century ago, uh, people were saying, well, you know, there is an impact of using a lot of this stuff uh, that will come from burning it. We will disrupt the sort of balance in the atmosphere, and this will have a, a knock-on effect that could see us uh, get, get other challenges. Yeah. At the time... It seemed such a long time away and, you know, the oil companies were so powerful and invariably had a lot of influence over us and governments that they sort of said, no, it's not a problem. We'll mitigate it later on. We'll come up with a plan. Don't worry. We've, we'll, we'll sort it out. Well, we haven't sorted it out. And by all accounts, it seems unlikely that we will in time to prevent that all important two degrees, uh, despite some seriously concerted efforts and things like a global uh, climate agreement to get us to, to not do it. Uh, South Africa was looking to introduce the carbon taxes that then pause it. They look at introduce it again. And even so, it's probably going to be uh, a little too little uh, and ultimately not sufficient to, to deal with the scale of it. So along comes the idea, uh, the idea of geoengineering to be sort of a get out of jail for us. Uh, here is a way that we can use science to mitigate the warming of the earth and so uh, prevent us having to suffer the consequences while we continue with our efforts to get off of uh, fossil fuels. Mm. In practice, that sounds great. Uh, but the reality is that uh, the, the, the processes and the science is, is, is easier to address than the moral things that come from whether or not we should do that. And the case in point specifically related to plastics yeah. is that back in the 70s when plastic consumption was getting really bad, people noticed the pollution everywhere and, and said, listen, we've got to reduce plastics the plastics industry came up with the idea of why not just recycle it and got us as consumers to think we can recycle. Yeah. Let's recycle. Let's put the stuff in the bins. Let's just, it was never a reality. They are <sighs> not recycling anywhere near enough. Effectively, it was a wonderful marketing ploy to get us to think, keep using plastic while the plastic industry figured we'll sort it out at some point. <laughs> and of course we haven't. Yep. So let me run you through uh, some of those geoengineering possibilities that we have. And you let me know which of the ones you think of most likely for us to be able to use, given okay. the moral challenges of how we'll implement it. Yeah. So, so one on a small scale. So the, the fossil fuel burning is is one that's sort of in place, and um, you know it's a bad one. 
One that we are using on a very, very small scale, but has shown some benefit, is the notion of cloud seeding. This is the occasions when you've got very large clouds, but uh, the air conditions aren't right that you're likely to get rain. You fly a plane into those clouds, they release a, a certain sort of particles, etc., uh, and that allows the water droplets to form around uh, those particles, which are generally quite heavy, can't be held up in the cloud, and so it drops. So rather than uh, you know rain fall, falling away from the desired area, maybe an area that really gets a lot of rain, you can spread it out a little bit more by by, by flying the planes through it. Okay. The other one that is quite useful is that you'll have very large, and in Joburg, I'm sure you'll know those big thunder showers that you get. Sometimes of the year, those big thunder showers result in hail. Yeah. Now, one of the ways to mitigate the size of the hail that falls and the damage that comes as a consequence is you fly these same planes into those clouds, uh, causing that hail to, to drop when it's smaller or effectively just to get it to start raining a little sooner so you don't have the, the circulation of those water droplets up and down, these massive mm. clouds growing into bigger and bigger pieces of hail until they fall. So that's the kind of one we're already doing. And these are the ones that they are, are planning that we can still do. Uh, capture is is one. Can we capture the CO2 to lower it to levels that's going to make it more worthwhile? And, and those levels, uh, for context, we're currently at about 420 parts per million, or about 0.4% of the atmosphere. Now, a lot of people, when I've just asked them, incidentally, how much CO2 do you think is in, in the air? They think it's quite a lot. The yeah. way we talk about it, you think it's sort of like 20%. If it was 20%, we'd all be dead. We can't live in uh, atmospheres with, with as much <laughs> carbon dioxide as that. So it's incredibly low, you know, by our judgments. In the same way that people say, well, global warming can be one degree, one and a half degrees, two degrees. People think, so what? I can be in 18 degrees. I can be 20 degrees. Makes no difference to me. We don't understand that at a global scale, it's a very, very big number. It's a, it's a very big challenge. So this capture idea is the one that says you use machines to, to basically process the air itself and suck the CO2 out of it. The challenge there, though, is because that concentration is relatively so low, you have to process a lot of air to extract it. So if you had to take um, a, a, a piece of air, let's yeah. say there were a thousand molecules of air, you'd only be getting four molecules of CO2 for every thousand. So you have to process sure. huge amounts of air, which means you have to have huge machines to do it. And again, what's what's powering those machines to do this stuff? Also, Colin, just, just to jump in, what do you do with the CO2 once you've got it? For the most part, they look into bury the stuff. Okay. Uh, the problem with that is you, you, you've got an expensive process to get it out of the air, and then you're going to stick it in the ground. Very few businesses say, yep, that's my model. I'm sure I'll make lots of money. You could say, well, use it as an alternative to you know the CO2 that we that we make for making carbonated drinks, for example. Uh, but the truth is, most of that stuff comes from brewing, which is kind of a natural process anyway. You're not really using so much of it that the amount we need to pull out of the air is in no way going to be able to use for other processes. So we literally do have to go and bury it somewhere. Uh, clever people simply say, hey, you know what? It's a fantastic direct carbon capture device that doesn't cost us anything, being around for millions and millions of years. Trees. But the catch with the idea mm. of us simply planting lots of trees, which is a good simple solution, is that where are we going to plant the trees? Humans aren't ready to give up the agricultural land uh, where the tree should grow. And we've harvested and chopped out so many of the rainforests, again, for pastoral farming, etc. that that's where they need to go. The idea that we're going to go and stick them in all these sort of marginal, not great places yeah. for trees means either there's not enough water and they'll die, or you'll plant them there. They'll be ropey, won't grow, won't, won't sustain themselves. So simply planting trees is an answer. We need to basically take back areas that we've currently been using for farmland. Okay. What the big I, one, though, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. Sorry, carry on. What a fascinating discussion. Go for it. Yeah. So that that's just touching on on some of the capture parts. Uh, yeah. Then there is a space one, and I'm going to skip over that one because 
<laughs> there's, there's more than we have time for. But space effectively says either, uh, because the real problem with um, global warming is that the sun's energy hits the planet, warms the planet, and then radiates off back into space. CO2 uh, is one of those uh, greenhouse gases, effectively keeps the heat in, and so the, the air warms more than it would. If we could stop the earth getting warm, then the air wouldn't you know, have to keep it in. So the space options say, what can we do out in space to, to prevent as much of the sun's rays hitting the earth and therefore it won't warm up and so, and, and so it'll work. Um, and are you a fan of Mike Myers? This is a complete aside. Oh, I am. Mike Myers is in Powers? Shrek or Wayne's World, Austin Powers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he's got a new series out called uh, The Pentaverse, uh, an opportunity for him to try and say, uh, we've got horrible conspiracy theories and we need to get back to trusting some people who know what they're doing. And his series is based on solving climate change by using a, a lens out at the Lagrange point. So if you enjoy that and you want to see one of these uh, in, uh, geoengineering projects, well, it's, yeah. it's featured in that one. It's currently on uh, on Netflix. Okay. Um, so, so there's a couple of them. Some, some are way out in deep in space, some are a little closer to, to the planet, hellishly expensive, no real guarantee that they're going to work um, and, and, and very hard to sustain. Things come out of orbit, things need to be sustained out in space. Uh, then there's marine ones. These ones have some promise, I think, because they, they reckon uh, most of the, uh, the CO2 on the planet is kind of absorbed by the oceans anyway. Uh, the catch is with the warming temperatures and the amount of CO2 that's been absorbed. That's what's killing all of the, um, um, the coral reefs. So if we were going to capture more of it, we need, to, we need to have it go somewhere. And this is where the notion of marine fertilization, you go to the desert parts of the sea, i.e. there's not much fish or activity happening, and you add uh, iron, effectively, yeah. and plankton. Plankton is kind of in the sea all over the ship. But when you give them a, a big batch of this sort of iron, <laughs> you can see an algal bloom. The yeah. algal blooms near coast, terribly bad thing. Use up all the oxygen, kill all the fish. But if it's out in the middle of nowhere where there was nothing anyway, the algae will live, absorb all that CO2, die, fall to the bottom of the sea, and so kind of capture it and, and go to the bottom of the sea. Mm. But the contentious one, and the one that about a decade ago got a lot of interest, uh, about two, four, five years ago, got funding. It was about to start experiments. It was one called uh, uh, solo geoengineering. We were going to put little particles up into the stratosphere uh, in order to just diffuse the amount of light coming through. Following what we noticed after two big volcanic uh, events that happened in the 80s and the 90s, where in the years subsequent to those volcanic eruptions, we saw temperatures drop by one degree. And so they said, well, hang on. If we put this stuff in the atmosphere, just scatter the light a little bit. It'll be a bit like a... Like a, like a Joburg day yeah. in winter, you know, when it's sort of the sky's not quite so blue, murky. it's a little hazy, mm. but it's not quite cloudy. It's a little murky, but not, not that it's, you know, hazardous, no pollution, the air is clean, everything's good. It's just a little dimmer, as it were. This would supposedly solve it. Uh, the catch, though, is that when they went to do the same measurements, they, the, 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 the global temperatures did drop, but so did the global output of agricultural products. So there wasn't enough light, the plants okay. didn't grow so much, yeah. so the yields went lower. And this is where the stuff comes. Then you've got to decide who's going to pay for this, uh, which areas of the planet are going to be affected to try and uh, save us this way uh, versus other areas. And then the big one, if we do do this as a mitigating factor to give us a little more time to transition away from fossil fuels, will we just not get complacent and then say, oh, well, we don't have to rush so much, so we'll just continue a little bit. And the deal is if we don't, well, when we stop doing this, we potentially return to a point where the, those concentrations are much higher, so the global temperatures will be higher, and the transition back to it will be much greater. So while we're slowly getting warmer, if we were doing this and then stopped, it will transition back at a much greater rate. Very, very scary prospects mm. if we were to do that, but we might be on a trajectory that if we don't do some of these interventions, yeah. we simply will not be able to prevent it. It's just those are the questions that need to be asked. 
It's, it's just kind of just how you do it, though. And you're right. I mean, the particles sound like a great one. Bearing, C, bearing the CO2 sounds like a great one. But you don't want to have a problem down the line where you've messed with nature. You've messed with the environment. So suppose you've just got to find the right balance. Yeah, we've got one planet, and it's probably not the best thing to experiment with. Absolutely. Business Unusual with Colin Cullis. Always fascinating chatting to you. Now, thank you, Colin.